Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, and my pronouns are they and them, also okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. And what we do here is explain and explain... You know what? We don't. Because we're on strike. We're not doing it. We're not doing it this week, at least. No longer shall the gentle laborer suffer under the cruel hands of algorithms. Yeah, right. We had put a lot of work into our old format show, and although I think that the the quality was was very good and it paid off in some ways, in a lot of ways it didn't, so we're not doing that anymore <laughs> for the time being. I also figured it's Labor Day and we can play up on the whole labor movement thing. And you know. I, I got burned the fuck out. Mm. It's, I mean, it's real. I, I, I did too in some ways. I mean... And had a lot of life changes, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. But anyway, we're in solidarity with the rest of the laborers of the world as well. We're on strike uh, from our own show. <laughs> so, uh, old man crabs is going to crack any day now. <laughs> what we decided to do while we're on strike, instead of having a uh, tailgate in the parking lot, <laughs> we're going to just pick a topic and riff on it for some time yeah so what we were looking to talk about this time is the bystander effect and how a lot of the ways in which we understand it it's is kind of is not accurate it's a it's largely a myth in the ways that we understand it and it's one that's create that was created from all uh, from a lot of the evidence that i've seen it, it was part of a media campaign to increase funding for police in New York by creating the the idea that you know you couldn't rely on bystanders to do anything about crime so what you needed to have was more police and more police present everywhere and the one of the stories that really popularized the idea of the bystander effect was the uh, brutal murder of Kitty Genovese which um mm-hmm. A lot of younger people, myself included, our first experience with it was probably hearing about it in the opening to the Boondock Saints. Right. So where they, they talk about it. And, you know, supposedly there was dozens of witnesses and none of them intervened to do anything. Nobody called the police. Nobody tried to stop it, uh, which is actually inaccurate because, one, there was not a lot of people there. And to a number of the people who witnessed the crime did try to, you know, get help or tried to call police or anything. Hmm. Yeah, I would really like to. I did a little bit of research when we talked about doing this for the bystander effect. And I didn't really, you know, dive deep or anything like that. But I saw that the origins of the actual effect were from a couple of sociologists. And uh, their names were, uh, I think, John Darley and Bib Latane. They kind of uh, came up with this term or whatever after that that murder, yeah. where supposedly 38 people stood by, and I don't I didn't read all the details of that particular case, but they came up with it. Well, something yeah. interesting I found was later on, Bib Latane went to work with a person named Kip Williams, who I think is actually at Ohio State currently as a professor, hmm. but they went on to develop some the theories around eyewitness memory being unreliable, which was. Uh, you know, something that the Innocence Project used to, you know, bring up the wrongful conviction numbers. So I thought that was kind of interesting that the the person that, where the bystander effect term originated is like two degrees removed from the a cornerstone piece of <laughs> of 
uh, criminology or whatever you want to call it, psych, social psychology, yeah. to discredit, to think critically about the police presence, I guess, yeah. in the country. Yeah, it's a weird, like, two, three degrees, two degrees of separation sort of thing. Yeah, they're still kind of teaching this as fact true. Uh, well, I mean, they were when I was younger, which is becoming not as recent as it used to be. But <laughs> when I was in high school, like my senior year of high school, I took a Psych 101 class, and the bystander effect was taught as basic fact in the Psych 101 class. However, on top of that, I have come to realize that most psych evaluation, well, not evaluations, but most psych re psychology research that's only done by, like, two people tends to be a little iffy, unless they have, like, a huge amount of evidence to back them up. Yeah. But all of these cases that are always like, oh, yeah, we figured this out, and it's like, okay, well, how, what was your... Uh, your survey like like how many people did you have oh tw uh, 12 24 yeah. uh, hmm okay um did you did you have a variety of people no okay hmm. what do you know the percentage yeah yeah do you know the percentage of like females to males you know that kind of thing no okay what did you do <laughs> right and I, I think that that was the interesting thing about the the actual and again i don't really know what all studies were con conducted but it's the bystander effect is more of a social thought experiment than it, as I understood what I read of it, it more than it was like an actual observable thing that always occurs or is like a, a, a psychological constant or something like that. Like, yeah, I, I, and the, to, to think that it, you know, has been used as a way to redirect resources and things like that from yep. city budgets so, into... So the insidious thing about the concept of the bystander effect and where it comes into play uh, with uh, hegemony is it's that it creates the... It, the propaganda is that you need to have somebody who's in charge that you can you know reach out to for help because you can't right. rely on other people to do it. You have to have... Right somebody in charge you know somebody who you can someone you can call to be the person who takes care of a thing because right. and i mean we saw that in uvalde right yeah. like people that were actually trying to get involved were actively being yeah. turned away or in some cases detained for trying to save their own children from the the worst the most unimaginable scenario uh, possible and related to that with that case from the bystander effect, there was someone who did call the cops. Yep. Mm -hmm. They just didn't do anything. Hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, and that's another thing that sort of exacerbates the bystander effect yeah. as it is described because it's like, okay, it, it even adds a mindful bystander effect to it. Like, it, yeah, I know that this is going on. I want to do something about it, but I know for a fact that the only thing I can do about it is going to make things worse. Yeah. So it's it's like, does, are you really a bystander at that point, or are you just like a helpless, uh, yeah. you know, witness? Yeah. Like, well, that's a thing too because you know I've taken some uh, first aid, you know, first responding type classes before, and if you know what to do, then you can act. But if you don't know what to do, then you're gonna be kind of caught like a deer in the headlights for a bit. So right. that kind of plays into this because they don't want you to know how to do anything. Right. Like outside yeah. of like your specific job, because then 
you know, they can send in the goon squad to go in and yeah. take care, well, take care of the aftermath. Yeah. Like, yeah. they want us to be not able to function. Yep. Yeah. Now, there is a extent to which the bystander effect is a real thing, and that extent is if you've got kind of multiple people in a place and you have a large crowd of people and there's something that needs to be done that only one person can do then as social creatures we have a hard time we get par paralyzed in that moment just because of the group of people that's there you can't f tell who's the one who's supposed right. to do something and that leads to confusion right. but that's a very different thing than people just not doing anything it's like uh when someone gets sick on a plane and there's always somebody like is there is there a doctor it's like yeah. if everyone got up at the same time and rushed toward the person who was sick like it would just create utter chaos and nobody would be able to and the actual person who would be able to do something about it wouldn't be able to get to them yeah so like there is some strong survival instinct i think that plays into the way that we perceive crisis in public well uh, i just want to add to what we've been talking about because i just remembered that i wanted to bring this up now that i don't live in the area i don't mind saying where i used to live but i came from stillwater oklahoma and which was is the home for oklahoma state university well, they have a big homecoming thing every year. Well, one year, yeah. we don't really know why, but someone drove their car into the crowd. Mm -hmm. And everyone immediately started acting. There were people coming over from, like, there was someone who was, like, on shift at um, a fast food place, like, jumped through the fast food window and rushed over to start like everyone was doing their jobs the ambulance couldn't get everyone in time there so they were using everyone's like trucks and stuff so it probably would have been a lot worse if everyone wasn't acting so yeah and that's that's yeah. something that i've personally observed as well and, and i think probably a lot of us have and a lot of the people listening have you know if you have a moment of crisis where it's clear that uh, things need to be done and a lot of things need to be done then again as a social species which we are humans are very good at being okay here's a piece of this i need to do you know here's a piece of it that i can do i'm going to go and do this thing and everybody will take a piece of the overall problem and start working on it and it's a beautiful thing to see when you see it i mean you hate to see because it usually is seen in in the moment of crisis but it's also mm you know, really beautiful and ins inspiring in a way, just because you're able to see how social a species we are. And, right. you know, the, you'll see that in, you know, the, that hor horrific accident uh, that you were not accident, but whatever uh, that you were talking about was the, the car driving into the crowd. You'll see it in the aftermath of a natural disaster or like an earthquake or something or flooding. Like people naturally want to help out other people. And it's, baked into us evolutionarily and it takes an awful lot of programming and indoctrination to beat that out of us and even then we will still in a crisis act on instinct to try and make things better it's like mr rogers said you know that really popular look for the helpers quote of his yeah to look for the helpers uh because there's always going to be somebody that are there it's 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 yeah know, baked into our dna <laughs> to, we want to like try and help each other out because it's like you said we're social creatures we when when other people in our species do well it usually means we do well 
and we want to see that sustain and pass it on. And uh, it's just interesting to me that like, you know, every world religion has something about being a helper or not being a bystander when something like that has happened. So, not only is it something that, you know, scientifically a behavior pattern that we have as a species, but it's also something that's baked into our very culture. And to say that, like, this one small slice of our, uh, you know, social behavior is going to justify spending all of these resources and stuff on something because of it, it's it's kind of like an egregious form of cultural hegemony, one of those mm-hmm. overt and intentional examples. Something I, when I was doing my quick little poke around, uh, one of the articles that I looked up, something that it brought up, was that... Actually, there is something to the bystander effect in that how we perceive the bystander effect. In that something that we do tend to do is look for biases in the world. that Or things that uh, confirm our biases. And our biases tend to be towards more negative things. You know, you could be having a good day but something happens that's kind of bad to you, and you're like, oh, my God, how this stuff always happens to me. You know, maybe because, like, you were having a good day, but in general you're having a bad week or something. You know what I mean? I think this is interesting because I think an element to that would be the algorithm because the algorithm has found that people prefer, or they don't prefer, but they engage more with negative content. People actively look for things that prove the bad thing that they're experiencing. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a confirmation bias. Right, like thank you, you, yeah. You already believe something, so whenever you see something that supports the thing that you already believe, you are more likely to put weight on it in terms of your... Right, and then the algorithm set. plays into that with the negative part of it. Mm-hmm. So and so then it's like on, a feedback loop, right? And then on top of that, you have the the ruling class wanting people to be consumed by negative content because then you won't act, right? So that, in a way, is where the bystander effect comes into a play. Is that weird roundabout way? Yeah, I think that it, the algorithm is something that we definitely uh, should go ham on uh, one episode for this. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of stuff prepared for that because you know i didn't think we were going to get there but it's also we've also done an episode about the algorithm uh the one me and soren did was about the cg of the x video so but it changes every day and it has a more and more profound impact on our lives i feel like every day and it's involving more and more different companies they're starting to come become intertwined like facebook stuff and amazon stuff behind the scenes it's all like in the same warehouses and stuff. It's just sort of like a weird gradual merge of this massive supercomputer or whatever that we, you know, always talk about. But it plays a huge role in this bystander effect stuff because you say that confirmation bias, the algorithm puts stuff in front of you that confirms, you know, some claim about the bystander effect. You're gonna, you're more than likely going to see Reddit stories about that. You're more likely going to see news articles about that you know and even just like your friends that talk about it it's going to be more likely to come up in front of your face on a screen because it was something that you have already searched and that's like kind of a terrifying thing in terms mm-hmm. of the like what kind of spread cultural hegemony could have and 
it's it should be pointed out too. It's already happened with Facebook, where basically I think something that we're going to start experiencing more is because the algorithm keeps pushing for the most negative takes to get people enraged and to engage with it. It I'm not gonna say almost always because there's only the one case so far, but it seems like it will become unusable. Facebook yeah. is basically mm -hmm. unusable. And I have noticed sure. from just these three years with Twitter, it has become more and more and more aggressive and more and more yeah. uh, negative than it yeah. was. Are you talking about the uh, Cambridge Analytica case with Facebook for the, the big hack or whatever, the movie that they made? Is that what you're referring to? Oh, I was just referring to the fact that Facebook, they found out that the algorithm pushes for negative content. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, they were purposely pushing alt-right stuff at the end because of yeah, that. Um, it's kind of funny because they that started... There's a whole documentary about it, and it's pretty fantastic, but I think it was on Netflix. But uh, it was... I won't say it started here, but this is when it first started getting the most attention is when they pushed the alt-right stuff for the Trump election, right? So, like, they found out through all this neural marketing and the algorithmic, you know gathering of data that they do from users every day, they found out that they could pretty much come up with an ideal profile for somebody who was you know, either going to be on the fence to not vote for Hillary or somebody that definitely was not going to vote for Hillary. And they just like flooded them with all this Trump stuff and meme stuff and anti-Hillary ads and things like that. So it was, you know, confirmed that like Facebook was complicit in that because mm -hmm. <laughs> they hired yeah. some company that basically did that, and then they got there was a whole scandal, and I don't even remember if there was any accountability. Highly doubtful, but I think there were some fines paid or something like that. Well, I did a small test with Facebook once with because uh, I have a lot of family members who I may have to cut ties with eventually. I, I'm kind of like keeping a close eye on that, but I did it. A test once and any of my normal stuff like would never get any engagements I would put Fox News just somewhere in it somewhere and suddenly they would engage with it and I don't think it was just because I said you know put Fox News in I'm pretty sure it was because right. then it was put onto their feeds I've seen a ton of claims too about like the listening devices and I've seen people on Reddit to say like oh I work for Facebook and that's just not how it works and I earnestly believe that it's 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 campaign. just way too often. Like, <laughs> it, it is. It's like I was talking about. I, I was driving down the road and I hit a pebble and my glass cracked uh, a little bit on my windshield. And I was talking to somebody on Discord about, you know, if anybody knows a good whatever place, yeah. that, you know, to get that. And you know, Safe Light came up in a Discord message, and. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't search it. I, I just read it, literally read it and put it in my pocket. Drove home and turned on YouTube and there was a Safe Light commercial on YouTube immediately. Like, and I'm sitting here just playing back like, okay, was it scraping the Discord message? Was it because it was listening to my phone talking mm -hmm. to people about, oh, I busted my windshield? Was it because it scraped me saying, t sending the word windshield a bunch of times? Like, I don't know, but clearly something is you know, scraping data from places I don't really want it to be scraped to put commercials in front of my face. I agree with you, but I do feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point out that we just talked about confirmation biases. 
yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about confirmation biases, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's something to it. Like, it, I think it's a bit fishy to completely throw it under the bus, but I do feel like I need to bring it up since we were just talking about it. I mean, I feel you, but, I mean, confirmation bias or, or no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I there's been situations that I've been in that I cannot fathom for the life of me how it possibly could have been leveraged other than just listening to my conversation that I had with someone else. Like, there's times that I, I'm convinced I may be wrong, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out that I was wrong, and I've actually read a lot of people online say that I'm wrong. Uh, but I don't think that I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm convinced of this. The small amount of pushing back I'll do is, like, I, I haven't run into this. I still have this problem where, because, like, what little bit the algo does know about me is that I'm AFAB, so it still pushes, like, here's makeup, here's bras. It's like, oh, my God, I almost wish it would know more, know me a little bit better because it's like, <laughs> I don't care. It's quit sending me this crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not once in my life. <laughs> Man, I tell you, the algorithm has it has gotten me right on the money a few times, and I've gotten got from targeted ads and stuff. And I, I've tried to swear off of them now. I do my absolute best, but every once in a while, I mean, especially if it's something for like an indie game or something, like I'll smash that button and buy whatever it is that's <laughs> targeting because it just it knows me, and it, that terrifies me. But it's also like. I don't know, man. I'm glad I get to see the cool shit, I guess. <laughs> but it also pisses me off every time I see it, too. Like, there was there was one point where I was, like, working on something at Birdland, and I was, like, trying to figure out whether I was going to do a compost toilet or a biogas bag. And I got the awfulest rash of biogas bag targeted yeah. ads that y'all can... I mean, I'm telling you, it was... Facebook, Instagram, it was in the middle of Reddit, it was in tw it was on Twitter. I, every single one of them was freaking d various biogas bag com companies, which I shocks me that that is a thing. <laughs> but I got many of them, so I did a couple of deep dives. I don't think I'm going to do it, but almost got me. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah, it's... Bystander syndrome, <laughs> though, am I right? <laughs> it, hey, no one complains... We're on strike. I'm not editing any of this. It all stays in. <laughs> I'm editing. I know. I'm getting comfortable here, and, you know, it's like it's like the tailgate. I said it wasn't going to be like one. I lied. It is going to be like a tailgate in the parking lot. Uh, we won't go in until our demands are met, which we haven't made demands. We should probably figure that out before we get to this well, point. If you're looking forward to doing a strike at work, you should probably well, figure see, out Well, so here's the thing, want. right? If we, if we have no demands, then... They cannot be met, and we never have to not be on strike. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I like the way you think. I those, don't know those, uh, <laughs> if that would work for most people. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> but considering that we're our livelihood financially doesn't change whether or not the show is running, <laughs> that, uh, that 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 gives us a lot more leverage. We only have but our chains to lose. Well, I know the w another way that the bystander effect has cultural hegemony attached to it, and it has to do with what we were just talking about, and that is with unions and worker solidarity. Okay. How so? Well, it naturally breeds distrust within your fellow person, because, I mean, if, if something bad happens to me at work, no one's going to help me. Hmm. 
Mm. If I were to walk off or if I got fired, then... Right. But we have seen that with proper solidarity, like, there's been a lot of union busting happening from Starbucks. And every time it happens, everyone walks off. Yeah. And I think that's another part about the bystander effect, too, right? Is because how many times a day are we placed in a situation where you're literally not allowed contractually to do something about whatever is going on? Like, the workplace is a good example. Like, there's people whose, you know, whose job is to just do one thing or, or just do the other. And this is a criticism that union people get a lot because they have clearly defined roles. But in other spaces, too... You, you can still, there's a, a, there's the not my job, right? Like, uh, you know, and the most of the reason for that is because you're going to be punished for for doing that thing or it's just not going to be respected or whatever. But in the in the case of like an emergency or something like that, the only way that a co-worker wouldn't come to your aid is if they were like yeah. forbidden to <laughs> by the terms of employment. So just by nature of that being a thing or a possibility, it kind of blows the bystander effect to smithereens because, you know, a third of your life you're not going to be allowed to unless your boss says so, <laughs> you know. So it's sort of a going back to the sample yeah. size thing there. needs some consideration for those cases. I will say if you don't have a union and you're not able to, like, really you're, – you're struggling to form any solidarity at your workplace – Playing the dumb worker card and maybe blaming the bystander effect to why you know you didn't fix the copying machine might mm-hmm. might work. Do some quiet quitting. <laughs> yeah, and it is Labor Day too, so we're we're we won't we won't be publishing this on Labor Day Labor Labor Day in the U.S. at least. Um, Every day but, is Labor uh, Day. We <laughs> yeah we are recording it on Labor Day so that we have one day yeah. off here. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, when I, w- I went to the Netherlands on the break from the show, and that was super cool because I got to talk to some actual working people over there and get an idea of what their standard of living is like. Oh no! Uh, so shocking, no one they laughed uh, at uh, at me <laughs> when they found out how little vacation time we get and that we don't have, you know, paid family leave guaranteed and you know all these other <laughs> all these other things that we. You know, they just take for granted pretty much in Europe because they fought through years and years of resistance. Well, yeah, uh, that's the important part. <clears throat> they fought that mm-hmm. we haven't done that yet. And right. I get onto like some leftists that go like, "Oh, well, I'm just sick and tired of the Western left." It's like, what the fuck you talking about? Yeah. You can't you can't give up on something that hasn't started yet. That's not how this shit works. And- and I mean, interestingly, it's kind of like the a rising tide raises all ships because in Europe, the standard of living is, is rising and we're seeing it follow the examples of countries that are considered progressive. And we just are the last to catch on to that. It's almost like we're trying to create a, a, a divide between, not just between East and West, but we want to separate from, we want to become the far West, <laughs> you know, and it's... I don't know. You see it in American culture all the time. This sort of europhobia. Laissez-faire. When it, yeah, and it's like, why would you not want standard six weeks vacation guaranteed? Why would you not want? And I mean, I talked to some guy that was from Indiana, and while I was over there too, and he and his coworker, they uh, they both worked for the same company, of course, 
but one of them is for the Dutch branch and his is for the American branch. And he said it's like they'll be the exact same role, exact same job, but the dude in Europe will make a lot more money and have a ton of, you know, benefits and stuff like that and days off. Actually, he, I think he said that they didn't really have a lot, a bigger salary, but all the the quality of living stuff is just like not even comparable to the money difference. Because it's stuff like healthcare, <laughs> you know, that we still uh, can't get guaranteed to everyone. It's just, it's no-brainer stuff. And we just haven't, our culture hasn't caught up to that yet. To the point that our people are either desperate enough to fight for it or have enough solidarity to fight for it. I mean, I, but we're actively starting to do that, though. We are. Not to discredit anyone who's doing a lot more work than I am in the labor movement. Uh, y'all are doing the Lord's work, so keep doing it. Lord Bacchus, because I've got uh, wine in my hand. That's the Lord I was talking about. <laughs> You're doing the work of Lord Bacchus by going on strike. Labor movements are no joke, folks. I, I know I'm goofing a little bit, but we watched a Mate One earlier today. The movie takes place in West Virginia. It's about the Mate One massacre of 1920, I believe, or 21. I don't know. One of those years. Anyway, it's a it's a huge bloody labor battle, kind of like the Battle of Bear Mountain, but lesser. Big, big notable moment for labor movements. Those people, they were the coal miners in West Virginia that like lived at the company store and all that stuff. Like all the property was owned by the company. Uh, they they got paid in company script, so they literally had to. They couldn't buy. They were they were contractually obligated not to buy goods from anywhere else, uh, or they would lose their job. So, the company owned their home, it owned their source of groceries and goods, and they charged them monthly for, like, their uniform, and their headlamps, and all of that stuff, and they had to still pay rent. <laughs> so, it, it's just, it's just an, a, a deplorable uh, labor situation, and they, you know, of course, they, they were so desperate, they fought back, and violently, and, uh kind of failed miserably because a bunch more of these things kept happening over and over again in perpetuity until up to <laughs> today basically so um amazon's trying to make a you know company town or disney's trying to or they're both trying to i don't know they're all trying to do it the ai is coming together to be one monolithic <laughs> megacorp so i don't know it's probably the whole world's going to be a company store pretty soon or we fight back and that doesn't happen that would be the preferred outcome for me. I would choose that one. It certainly seems like people are getting pushed more and more, and less and less have got a place to go. Right. I don't know. Like, something's got to yeah, really I mean, give at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I mean, you can, you can hear it just, like, in the tone of our show, you know. Like, two years ago when we started doing this, it was, you know, we were watching sitcoms and talking about the subtle ways, and it's like, it's not even... There, it's not even worth looking at the subtle ways anymore. The subtle ways are in a rearview mirror, I think. Not just us, but as a society, I feel like I, people are starting to wake up to this stuff a yeah. little bit more. And that's why and we're the propaganda is definitely movement. getting more obvious, too. It's like, oh, people yeah. aren't happy to work there to, the, to death anymore. I can't understand it. It's ridiculous. The quiet quitting, I yeah. think Athena mentioned that earlier, is a perfect example of that. Like, all the articles that came out about quiet quitting, which is just really a, a new spin on the 
work to rule, I think is what it was called, which is essentially just doing the bare minimum, showing up and paying and working yeah. for what you get paid to do and nothing else. And that's basically what quiet quitting is. Or in some cases, it's, you know, doing doing less than that, but just whatever you can get away with and not get fired, which is also yeah, go based. For it. Why not? We're, you know, you're not getting equity in the company. So, you know, when we see articles and these think pieces come out talking about, you know, quiet quitting and trying to rebrand it and say all this stuff, it's a, it's a little bit laughable because, I mean, where was it, – it's just funny to think about the same people that wrote the articles about quiet quitting are also the same people that called – that coined the term essential worker and called them, you know, heroes. The, the Marco's Pizza Delivery yeah. guy was a hero, you know. It's like, okay, that – and then it's it's kind of hilarious because it's the same rhetoric that they've been using for, you know, cops and firemen and EMS workers and stuff that are not cops, but there's also exploited workers. But they they frame the hero job thing, the the whole David Graeber idea of a hero job. You know, then they they just use that same rhetoric on the essential worker people too, and sort of like, okay, wait, this was not <laughs> they didn't mean this. This was just something that they wanted to use to keep us on the hook for when they really yep. wanted to take advantage of us and uh, I think we saw exactly that that's what it was because when it, when it came down to actually repay them when, when the companies got back on top with the PPP loans did the heroes see any of that money no they did not unless you you know didn't get laid off from it and you know whatever I'm not saying all the PPP loan money was bad but there's a lot of people that are screaming right now about the student loan forgiveness things that didn't have to pay back a single one of their PPP loans and that really freaking sucks but I know some of it did go to legitimate payroll reasons and stuff like that I keep wanting to give the benefit of the doubt I'm like oh I'm recording an episode I should probably you know pump the brakes a little bit (laughs) I I usually don't pump the brakes whenever it's a fireside chat you know (laughs) well my thing with the PPP loan forgiveness is there's a good chance that it probably helped someone, but helping helping someone's a good thing. We should help more people that are the workers and the essential yeah, workers. Definitely. We should have that money should have definitely went to the working people. Period. Like mm-hmm. no payroll bail bailouts. No, take that money that you're going to give them and give it to the workers instead. Don't give it to the business owners. Give it yeah. to the workers. I I, I frankly I, I know that there's somebody listening right right now to this that probably owns a little nail salon or a hairdressing thing or something that's just like a one-person business owner that's like, I can't believe I said that, you know, I I can't make my payroll or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care all that much, to be be real with you. Like, I appreciate that you're doing your small business grind and all that stuff, but earnestly, earnestly, if you can't make enough money to pay your people a living wage, then you probably just need to go ahead and shutter it up and take it to the house. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, if... if How can you be a single-person business owner and then pay workers? It's... I. Well, small business owner <laughs> who's trying to pay workers. I used to know somebody who worked in a bakery when she was growing up, and, you know, it was, like, friends of the family and then plus her. Yeah, if they were going to do the PPP loan, the right way to do it would have been to do it from the bottom up like that, not from the freaking top down as they always do. It was, oh, too big to fail. We better give them the most money, including 
entities like freaking mega churches and shit yeah. that, all, that already don't even podcast fucking pay. <laughs> yeah, there were podcasts. And might I note, this would be a good time to say that Hedgepod never took any PPP loan money. <laughs> That's a yeah, pappy pander. But yeah, we were suckers. It. Yeah, we should. I I know I should have <laughs> got some for the game company for Lasso. I should have got that. You should have. Yeah, I should. I know. I, I'm that. sitting here kicking myself. We'll see. That that that's the difference between us and the wealthy is we don't like they never miss a grift like that. I know, never never <laughs> miss one. I mean, and I know people personally that took it, and and I feel like that they took advantage, especially because knowing that they're the type of people too that would that would make some remark about somebody on welfare or SNAP or or wig yeah. or something like that. They would make some remark, and taking a, the PPP loan money should completely put you out of the freaking entire ballpark of ever being able to say anything about those people ever again like there, yeah. you you are not allowed to speak if you take PPP loan money and then don't pay it back which they're not asking for it back and then you end up going around and turn around talking about somebody that is on welfare then screw you my friend that is some bullshit two faced hypocritical ass way of thinking and I <laughs> don't like it how do y'all like the new show format <laughs> <laughs> we figured we were doing a lot of rambling anyway, so we may as well just roll with it. <laughs> right. There uh, will probably be times where we do like effort posting and yeah. actually get something together, but yeah, for the most part, we're gonna just BS about a general topic. So, I guess we'll find out if we got any bystanders in the audience, or somebody needs to step in <laughs> and do something about this. <laughs> yeah. No, y'all are great. I love every last one of our audience members, personally. That's not true. I don't know half of you, or I know probably half of you, <laughs> actually. Uh, but I mean, uh, any any socialist should have a general love for all of humanity. Right. But no yeah, parasocial. So I mean. Well, I think that's probably as good a place as any to wrap it up for us. What are we working on? Nothing. <laughs> because we're on strike. Oh. <laughs> I'm working on a setting for a uh, Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, I'm going to do awesome. an adventure that's set on a 1920s cruise ship to South America. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds pretty sick. I might work on a D&D campaign or something myself. Or yeah. I really need to be working on my games more. But I, I do think we should throw some shout-outs to some of the laborers out there mm -hmm. that are actually on strike uh, doing yeah. real work, not whatever the hell this is. <laughs> So, let me think here. God, there... I'm not gonna lie. You know, I a while back, I said it is getting very hard to keep track with things. It's gotten... Like, it's even more hard than it was yeah. even back then. Um, yeah, just hit the highlights. I'm I mean, trying to think through them real fast. Everybody. Let's see. Um, a lot of nurses strikes going yeah, on. Yeah, there's now. a lot yeah, of nurses. Uh, the, Ohio, the Ohio strike happened recently. I think they won oh, it. Oh, the teacher strike? Yeah. Uh, Columbus. Yep, they they were strike. They they didn't even get through a whole week before uh, management caved. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of Labor Day things happening today. Planet like, Fitness workers on strike. California passed AB two five seven, which creates a whole like it, what is it? It's like it creates a fast food worker council. Mm. So, pretty big. Yeah. Don't think Definitely. Newsom. Because he literally just signed a paper. He literally did the bare minimum of his job. Right. But other than that, good. They worked hard for that. 
Yep. Now push for more. Bird, bird Union. Bird Union. Yep. Talking about Bird Union. Is there a Bird Union? Yes. Uh, Audubon. Yeah, Audubon. <laughs> Audubon Society Bird Union. It's That's a staff cool. union of the Audubon Society. They actually have one called the Bird Union. <laughs> That's literally nice. what it's called. Uh, oh, and um, we might have a railroad strike. It's seems like it's kind of inevitable at this point, so we'll see. And U- UPS is going around across the country and gearing people up for a huge UPS strike in 2023. Yeah, we should... Very uh, excited about that. We probably need to do a little bit more due diligence if we're going to do this last segment of the show every time from here to do uh, labor call-outs while we're on strike. We should probably yeah. uh, get the names of the actual unions and just read them off, you know, instead of give, just saying, like, that the, cool. that the business is on strike or whatever, like Starbucks Union. Like, they're, it's actually called Starbucks Union. Well, United, which, but, uh, which one? Because... There's many, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we can just do do our best on it, but we'll try to get that. Because the only reason I say it is because I think that the, they would probably... They could actually get some useful... Well, here's the, street here's the big ones. Um, Teamsters are actually... They're... They've been a little, uh, you know, in the past, but they seem to be kind of stepping up. There's one in particular. Um, Is that the one? Are the Teamsters what's doing the railroad strike? No, they're they're doing UPS. No, that's a different group. International Rail Rail Workers or something. Uh, Railroad yeah. Workers United (RWU) is uh, the railroad strike. Oh, uh, Teamsters also has a cannabis uh, Teamsters 420, so okay. that's fun. Um, like that. I'm kind of hoping that there's been talk of like a sex workers union forming up, and they've been talking about 69 as their number, and I'm really hoping that it goes through. <laughs> That's fine. Nice. We also started a the Tech Workers Guild. Uh, me and some other people in the industry started this a while back. It is a, I guess technically a union, but we have like a Discord server and working on some bylaws and stuff like that. Just trying to get some wheels and motions on that so shout out to any of the tech workers guild people if they're listening um thanks for the work y'all are doing and getting awareness seiu mm, yes a uh, service employees international union they've been pushing for you know trans rights and uh lgbt they've pushed you know women uh issues like so pro roe v wade not it being overturned but pro- <laughs> right 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 Pro it existing and right. pushing for black workers and stuff like that, from what I can tell. So, yeah, our local nurses here were in the SEIU, the one, the big strike that was happening downtown. Yeah, so they are doing some great work for sure. Uh, but yeah, stand stand strong, solidarity to all the workers out there, and hopefully our strike doesn't last too long. And uh, you know, I think most most strikers. The reason they're on strike is because they want to get back to work, honestly. They really do, but they just want to do it on terms that are fair and dignified. And so uh, if you're an employer out there and you're wondering, trying to listen to us to figure out why people are going on strike and why they're so whiny or whatever, uh, it's because you're not treating them fairly. So give them some company equity or at least some time off or pay them better or do something. Or healthcare. You know, stand out of the way so they can own the means of production. Which is yeah. the ultimate goal. <laughs> That'd be the ultimate goal, for Sell sure. Sell your business to your empo- employees and work alongside them. You never hear about that happening. Yeah, yeah. Do that. If you want to keep your your workers yeah. from striking, 
And like it has to have happened at some point somewhere. Well, it has to have happened. The tenants. But, the there was a group of tenants that uh, basically wanted to co-op their building. Yeah, Ten, a tenants union somewhere. Mm-hmm. I saw nice. that. I'd like to track that story down too. But anyway, y'all have been great. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, playing some cornhole, drinking some beer or wine in my case, while we're at the official uh, hedge pot on strike tailgate party. And hope you listen to us the next time we do this. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.